0: This is Called by God, stories of ordained women in the Anglican Diocese of Grafton. I'm Reverend Cathy Ridd, and welcome. Today I'm in conversation with Brenda Yeager. Brenda, together with her husband Graham, ministers in the parish of Byron. Brenda is a proud Wiradjuri woman. Brenda, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Tell me a bit about how you started to hear God's call to ordain ministry and
1: how you responded. Okay, well, I had to think about this because at the time you don't realise that it's a call to ministry. Um, But when you go back, you can make those links. So my father was killed in a boating accident when I was very young. I wasn't even school age. And I was daddy's girl. So it hit me quite hard. And after that, I spent a lot of time with my auntie, my dad's sister, um, and she'd always talk about Jesus. And and that comforted me. So as I got a bit older and I wanted to learn more, my mum enrolled me in the GFS at the local Anglican church uh, where Miss Jenny, my GFS leader, taught me more about Jesus. and. Quite amazingly, through faith, I learnt that I'd see my father again. When, as a teenager, my family moved from North Queensland to, New- to the Newcastle area, technically two- 2,000 kilometres away, I joined the local church and became a Sunday school teacher. Um, off my own bat, my family didn't do it with me. I then encouraged the parish to start a GFS group and I became one of the leaders. I'd also, yeah, I started Sunday school as well. Serving Jesus in both of these roles as a young teen it gave me a great deal of joy, and with the love and the support of the nurturing parish, while I found um, my strength and identity after moving away from my my father's family, and um, and everything I knew, um, that was a really big thing for me. That 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 church was just amazing, really amazing. When I met and married Graham, I felt a call to start and lead another GFS group in the next door suburb where we moved to. I didn't see this as part of my journey at the time to ordain ministry, but then I didn't understand the call uh, for quite some time anyway. Even when Graham was working through his call to ministry, I thought I was called to support him and give him a good kick because I could see what he was obviously meant to do, you know. And, and it was like, how stupid are you? I can see this, you know. Um, <laughs> But once he was ordained, that call and that almost nagging didn't go away. It was during our third ministry posting that I finally approached our bishop to say that I thought I was called to the diaconate. And I was the f- and and I was um ordained. I was the first woman ordained in the Anglican church in Burke and the first First Nations woman um, out there. It was another six years after that and a new parish before I went to my parish priest, who was Graham, and said that I believed I was called to be a priest. And he just said he would organise an appointment with the bishop and I was ordained a priest. I've been blessed, really.
0: It sounds like it was a relatively smooth path um, or a very certain path, but were there challenges along the way as you began, as you began to answer that
1: call from God? <laughs> well, my biggest challenge was myself. <laughs> my doubt. I didn't believe it and I didn't want to do it. Um, I'd always believed that I was meant to be a teacher. Graham and I were married very young and we had four small children by the time we were in our early 20s. Um, but I had always wanted to be a teacher, a primary school or infant school teacher, and uh, and, and I had tunnel vision there. And so once our youngest was all of three months old, I started uni and uh, it it was hard work. (laughs) Yeah, four children under six and I started uni by correspondence. Um, It was a lot of, Graham gave me a lot of support, but I thought that's what I was meant to do. I thought that was my calling Um, and I was very reluctant to give it up. I've always done things a little differently, sometimes a lot differently, uh, than everybody else, even as a teacher. And I didn't know if my quirky, unusual self would be accepted by something like the Anglican Church, and I had to learn to trust in God and take a leap of faith. Um, since becoming a deacon in 2012, I've experienced rewards in both teaching and ordained ministry and learnt that I could do both. Um, but the, the, the like Bishop Richard that ordained me um, as a deacon, he was very accepting of my unusual ways of doing things and it was it was it was surprising actually. I was I was frightened of that being rejected, I think. Right. Yeah.
0: For those who, who don't know you or have or don't know of your ministry, what can you tell me a little bit about what's different and unusual about
1: how you do your ministry? Well, my sermons <laughs> tend to be more practical. There's costumes involved. There's dancing, just anything ridiculous, entertaining. I have a short attention span, so therefore everybody gets treated like they have a short attention span too. I like to make things very clear and very plain at the same time being entertaining and noisy, very noisy and uh, Byron Bay Parish is is the perfect place to do it because we have three different churches. Well, we have more than three, but three main churches. I can do the unusual stuff. And uh, if people, if that's not their cup of tea, they've got a couple others to try. But they've been amazing.
0: So, as as you pursued that path to ordained ministry, what was life giving for you?
1: Priscilla? That was a very big a leap for me again with me being a little strange like a little unusual graham drove me to and and picked me up from casillo and it's probably just as well because i may have gotten in my car and left <laughs> the other thing that was really good was I, I was going to a kuri anglican fellowship at the time too and i was just learning all these things about jesus and my faith and um it was amazing and. During that time too, our son had a a severe car accident and each time something got thrown up at me, my faith got stronger and it was because, and I think I turned to to God for for the support when times got tough and it actually, um, yeah, my faith got stronger as I went.
0: Who at that time as you were um, going along that journey to being ordained deacon and then priest, who were your biggest supporters?
1: Graham was definitely my biggest supporter. Um, my four children. I mean, the two younger ones weren't real sure what was going on, but my eldest daughter, once I did become ordained, she just said, "Well, yeah, because we've got a, a boy and, th- and three girls, and the girls have always been told they could do whatever they wanted to do. You know that um, it only relied on you. I've I've set that." um goal for them, like set that. I've said done, that, I've done what I wanted to do. If I've set a goal, I've achieved it, and they can see that so they know that they can reach their goals if they put their mind to it. So, yeah, they were they were definitely there all the way. Graham Jr., Rachel, Danielle and tiani our, our children. Um, another supporter was deacon and later priest Diane Beale from Dubbo. She was amazing, and she was the one that was there for me to see me uh, to, for me to see and see where I was headed. She was just the most amazing lady and was always there encouraging, being supportive of anything I wanted to try. And if things didn't work, she would say, that's okay. You just try something else. And she was just wonderful. Richard Herford, like Bishop Richard Herford, when I went to him and said I, I felt I th- that I should be a deacon, he um, he was very supportive. And Bishop Ian Palmer was the one that priested me. He was very supportive too. And he just said, well, it looks like you know what you're doing. The rest of us just need to catch up. So that was quite amazing. And I never forgot the seeds planted by Miss Jenny, my GFS leader, um, all those years ago. Yeah, I, I'm I'm always amazed at the people that I don't really know as well that often come up to me with a smile or an encouraging word. These sort of things remind me of, like when people do that, they remind me of something that my grandson used to say. He wouldn't have even been three. And Billy would say, um, Jesus is with us and Jesus is in in us. And for a little fellow to say that, it, it was encouraging and it, and it has been encouraging ever since. And every time my grandchildren, Billy, Axel, Charlotte, Jack, James, Hunter and Benjamin come to church in Byron, they're so happy to be there, just to be there. That's all the support I need right there. And it st- and sustains me, you know, for as long as it needs to. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I do believe that my greatest supporter was Jesus.
0: What do you think are the biggest challenges for women in ordained ministry in the Anglican Church of Australia today?
1: Yeah, well, I've experienced amazing support on my journey. A- apart from me getting in my own way. Um, <laughs> I haven't really had those um, challenges, but I do know women who face terrible discrimination and obstacles because of, you know, more more traditional ideas, and not just some in church leadership, but some have also um, had difficulty in 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 their communities, and even some have had that the difficulty closest to them, um, you know, from their friends and family. I've, I've I've actually been close to some women in ministry that have had that situation and I feel very very strongly that I need to support them. I have in the past and I'll continue to.
0: What gives you joy in your ministry? Making a
1: mess um, <laughs> I enjoyly really enjoy that um, but it may sound strange but some of the greatest joys in ministry that I've found um, have also been the greatest challenges, like sitting with community members as we work through sorry business together. It's difficult at the time, but it's very rewarding uh, in the end. Driving a bus full of women to women's business weekends and yarning around the campfire, I witnessed and I experienced a great deal of healing in this yarning and learning. Um, yes, we all learned a lot as well. Being able to encourage and enable one community to hold their very first NADOC celebration build their confidence to do it again. Yeah, that was very, uh, very touching. Um, It's important to me as a priest to help people see that every act of worship is a celebration rather than something to be endured. And I've come across a lot of people that have felt that worship is something that, that, you know, you need to endure and that needs to be hard. And I can't do that. (laughs) Um, I feel joy when I enable others to know joy. Children's ministry is a real joy of mine. While working through a youth centre in the Central West, Bishop Richard visited me there and he said to me, you may be the only Bible these children ever see. I've never forgotten those words and I've tried to be that living Bible. It's very hard but it's always in my mind. Uh, Because God has no hands and feet but ours, and we need to use those. Brenda,
0: thank you so much for sharing part of your story with me today. Next week, I'm in conversation with myself, sharing part of my own story. I hope you'll join me then. Called by God is produced in the Diocese of Grafton as part of the celebration to mark the 30th anniversary of the ordination of women in the diocese. Produced and edited by the Reverend Kathy Ridd. Copyright 2023.